welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Jared Hamilton, who is the owner of Hamilton Trained. He is a personal trader and an online coach, but he dives a bit deeper. He really focuses on the inner work, which is actually why I wanted to have him on the podcast. In fact, I had two or three people reach out to me and suggest his name and told me to get him on because we would hit it off, and I had no idea who he was. So I went in, I started kind of doing my research, looking through the guy's content, and Sure enough, we have a ton in common. We're very, very similar from our background, from our story, from the fact that we're very average people, helping average people become more on average and above average and see above average results, which I think is one of our specialties is that we're very relatable. And Jared is a very, very relatable person. His story is very relatable to the everyday person trying to achieve more, which is what I love and respect about him so much. So when we dove into this podcast, I had a few bullet points of what I wanted to talk about, but we mainly stuck around this inner work idea, this idea of fixing your emotional, spiritual, and mental well-being in order to diet successfully over the long haul and get to a good sustainable result the right way, which it's a topic that a lot of coaches don't like diving into or talking about because the truth is, is we're not therapists. So we have to walk on eggshells. We have to tiptoe because we don't want to cross that line and step over our boundaries. But uh, Jared and I got as close to that boundary as we possibly could. And we talked a lot about some deep stuff, deep practices, journaling, meditating, um, again, inner work on ourselves and what kind of things we need to be doing ourselves included, as well as you to become the best versions of ourselves and stay successful without binge eating without falling off without quitting every single weekend and really really figuring out what is holding you back so i think you're really going to enjoy this podcast it's taking a different turn on fitness and nutrition coaching than we normally do but truth is is i think this is one of the most helpful things that you can hear in order to change your life through fitness and nutrition so if you enjoy this podcast do me a huge favor make sure you post it on instagram and tag us both at cody mcbroom and at real jared hamilton i'm going to put both those in the description of this podcast so you can see those you can share it we want to thank you for listening we want to share it on our stories as well and as always if you're not subscribed make sure you hit the subscribe button whether you're here on itunes or you're over on YouTube or Spotify or wherever the hell you're listening to it. And without any further ado, let's talk to the one and only Jared Hamilton. All right, dude, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Like I said before we got into this, um, I uh, I was unfamiliar with your content, but when somebody, or I should say many people, bug me and say, <laughs> you got to check out this guy. You got to get him on the show. You got to talk with him. You'll like him. Um, I finally give in. I started browsing through your stuff, and I think we have so much in common, man. So this is going to be a really, really cool podcast. But before we got get into the things I want to talk about, uh, fill us in with I mean, what's your backstory? Who is Jared? Like, how did you get here today? And, and why are you doing what you do? 
Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you getting me on. That mean that, that that's that's like the best compliment ever. When it's like, yo, a bunch of people were wanting you on, so I'm, that means a lot. Um, so it's a pretty basic story to be honest. I'm 29 from Indiana here in the states and been coaching about a decade. I've been doing mostly like weight loss oriented coaching for around a decade, but I wasn't always in the online space and I was always a fat kid. So like, um, you know, I, I went through this phase of like, I thought I was a bodybuilder. I thought, and I did all the crazy stuff that we teach people not to do and stuff. But, um, but otherwise like anymore, I never thought I would be the teaching what I teach for the most part now is like most of everything else I teach now is like all about headspace and inner work and, and all of like the gross side of like fat loss, where we're get, talking like emotional eating, binge eating, um, sitting with yourself, doing all of that kind of stuff is where most of any more people find me in my content. But, um, but otherwise, I'm, things are pretty, as far as my story, it's nothing too crazy. Because um, I actually fell into coaching on an accident. I didn't, this is not, wasn't like my gung-ho out, out the womb kind of thing. In college, uh, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. So I'm like starting that route. And then one of my prereqs was like, uh, I remember it's, it was hyper 216. It was a, basically a fitness class, but it was basically a personal trainer class essentially. And I'm like, oh, this is dope. Like we were doing practicals of like program design and going to a local gym and like training classmates and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Cause I've always been kind of entrepreneurial, like as a, from like a, being younger, my dad was like a construction guy owned his company and stuff. So I've always like, you know, I was like, remember like being 12, like it's snow in the neighborhood. And I'm like going to my 80 year old neighbor's houses. Like, Hey, you want to pay me 20 bucks to shovel your, your driveway? Like I've always been kind of like that, but so I got into to fitness and coaching in college. Cause it, it started with me going to be a physical therapist, but uh, cause it was the only thing that sounded remotely interesting. I did not, I wasn't passionate about it by any means. But then I got into the personal training side and I'm like, oh, I could totally do this while in college because I can schedule clients around classes. And then I was like, oh shit, this is some pretty, pretty dope stuff. So I started off as an in-person trainer and then did that for probably like five years or so and built a really successful, great in-person training business. But then I was capped on like hours and time. And like, I was at the gym sun up to sundown and I was helping a lot of people. But then towards the latter end of that, I started building my presence online, started my podcast, Instagram, like started doing the social media stuff. And I got a mentor and like things just blew up. And then fast forward to now, all I do is online coaching. Uh, I have a team that works for me for, with stuff like that as well. And now I do some speaking in my own podcast and all things like that. It's kind of the cliff notes of Jared, so to speak. It's crazy how similar, dude, like, so we're basically the same age. Um, I got into fitness right when I got into college and to lose weight because I was the chubby kid in my group and uh, found a mentor, got really into program design, everything, <laughs> in-person trainer. I love that. <laughs> I trained people in person for a long time, was capped out. The whole time I was writing a blog, I was like, maybe this blog can like turn into something. Turned into online coaching. That's all we do now. Now I have a team. Like so, so. Oh wild. my gosh, that's awesome. That's awesome. that's 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 amazing, bro. Yeah, I'm just on the West Coast. That that's the only difference here. Um, <laughs> but man, you you talked about uh, inner work, and that's one thing that like I really noticed. Like as I started kind <clears> of <throat> clicking through your content, I noticed a repetitive theme of this inner work, and I wanted to get you to kind of. I mean, one, define what inner work means to you, because I think mm-hmm. some people, you say inner work, they're like, yep, I know exactly what you mean. Meditation, journaling, morning routines, yeah. and all these different things. But um, there's also a lot of like guruism in that world. And I think there's a lot of people who, I mean, for example, like I was, I was talking to my buddy about this. It's like, like, don't you get annoyed at the, the, the person preaching about like 
time blocking and morning routines, all stuff who has no responsibilities, isn't married, doesn't have more kids, <laughs> right? no kids you know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that drives me crazy. So like fill us in what, what inner work means to you and kind of how you're helping clients with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think people confuse at least what I label as inner work with productivity hacks, right? Like, um, don't get me wrong. I think it's super important to be productive with your uh, time blocks and your routines and your habits. Those are all great, but that's a, there's a massive difference in my opinion between that and actual inner work where you're fucking with your own emotions. Mm. Um, because especially in the realm of like weight loss and coaching and transformation, it's all this inner junk that stops people it has nothing to do with calories has nothing, nothing to do with the strength training. It's subconscious stuff. Like if we think of like discipline issues, motivation problems, knowing what to do and not doing it, binge eating, emotional eating, um, avoidance, suppression, that has nothing to do with dieting and, and, and working out. It has, those might be facets on the surface level, but like how we uh, relate to ourselves, how we communicate with ourselves, what we do from the end. That's what I call it. Dieting from the inside out, you know, changing the old story, changing your identity of who you are as a person, self-sabotage that has nothing to do with calories and strength training. Like, of course, having a not rigid program and have something that fits you is important, but it's like, if you don't change your identity of who you are as a person and handle your emotions, any success you're going to get on the surface is going to be short-lived, right? Like an example I give is, let's say you have this deep identity of someone who's not worthy of losing weight. Well, or you have this identity of losing weight's hard and you happen to lose weight easily. Well, that goes against the old story. So now you have to sabotage it. It's like a thermostat. If your thermostat's set at 70, the house heats up to 80, the thermostat kicks on and cools the house back off. And this is why people mess up their money, their relationships, their weight loss, their literally, you can label it anything. Right. It's why like, I've always hated like the term like life coaching. Cause it's like, what's a 29 year old dude know about life coaching, but it's the, I use the term, like when you pee in part of the pool, you pee in the whole pool, right? If you get your relationship fixed with yourself in fitness, you handle your emotions, right? You learn how to identify old patterns and stories and fix those now and fix your relationship with yourself with like fitness, your marriage is better. Your job gets better. Your relationship with your kids get better. Like everything gets better. So when I, when I talk about inner work, it's more or less about how you relate to yourself and connect with yourself and handle, handle your emotions. I would say just to simplify it. What gave you the confidence to be able to not, not to call yourself a life coach, but to kind of start doing that type of coaching. Cause it's funny. I had this conversation with a, a mentor client of mine literally just the other day. And that's something he's passionate about and wants to do, but his like his, his belief in his head was that he's too young or doesn't have enough life experience to do it. Um, sure. and he's not, he's actually a little bit older than me. So he's not like, it's not, this isn't a 21 year old I'm talking to that's get just now in college or anything. Like he's, he's successful. He's had, um, struggles with, with mental issues and not in, in really trying to find mental health and, and fixing his relationship with himself. And then his, his girlfriend, all these kind of things. And the way I framed it was like, man, like you have such a deep perspective on how to change this area that you're able to use those lessons to help other people change other shit that's going on in their life. You don't need to experience mm -hmm. what they're doing, but I think it's hard for people to, to, to understand and click with themselves. Cause like yeah. you said, they kind of have that belief that I'm not worthy of it. Like, was there yeah. a point that you felt that way? Like, how did you get into it? Absolutely. Well, so, um, so I've always been into like, um, into just the world of like personal development and having mentors and studying this stuff. Well, but then it got real when I like really did this with me. So back in early 2020, um, I started going to therapy myself 
Cause I, and I was actually really hesitant to, because, uh, cause there's, a, I, I always struggle with like that stigma around like dudes going to therapy and mental health stuff. But because the things I, for a long time, I didn't think I needed to go. I'm dude. I'm like the happiest person you'd ever meet. I'm like always on cloud nine. I'm always, I mean, I have literally have the word gratitude tattooed on my arm. Like I'm always in like that place and I'm never, nothing's ever wrong, so to speak. Um, but I wanted to go to therapy to make sure things upstairs were good. It was literally the intent of like, well, we get things checked out to make sure they're good. I think I want to make sure my upstairs, my, my brain is good just from like a checkup. Like, cause I know as the more successful I become and the closer I get to my goals, stress climbs, right? Like I'm sure you could attest like now, like you do well on your own. Now you have a team, everyone's doing well, but like stress just gets higher. And for me, I, I, I just want to make sure my coping mechanisms were okay. As far as stress. I just want to make sure I was processing things right. And I was handling stress better. Cause like we see with like fitness, what someone thinks is the right thing is actually detrimental, right? Like someone going like, oh, maybe I should avoid carbs because that makes sense. But that leads to like an eating disorder over time or whatever. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't doing that with my own headspace and inner work and stress management. So I went to a therapist and I'm just like, and I literally told her that. And I'm like, I'm literally doing this just because like, I'm good. I feel fine. Things are great. I just want to make sure I'm handling things right. And that led to me bawling like a grown man in my first therapy session. <laughs> and, and it turns out there's some stuff. I, I was doing things right about 90%, like 90%. But there's a couple ways I was handling stress, a couple things that I was suppressing from like my childhood I didn't know about. Because like, that was the thing is with my life, there's nothing bad. Like I didn't have like what one would label like big traumas or like I wasn't raped or molested or had a crazy childhood. Like it was fine. But there's a couple small things, a little bit of unworthiness, a little bit of not being seen as a kid, a little bit of like stuff we've all probably have a level of. And it, because I suppressed it for 20 something years, it gotten, it was like an infection that never gets healed and it just got worse. So I took inner child issues to adult Jared life. Right. So, um, so that's what started. This was early, late 2019, early 2020 was me diving in on my own journey. And then I came across some people that I started studying. I started studying Dr. Joe Dispenza and Kyle Cease were the two big, big ones I started studying and I'm, and their content just hit me deep, hit me so hard. And I'm like, Oh shit. This is some crazy stuff. And then I just saw all these parallels. But because I started being more in tune with my intention, not like what's going to trend most, what's the best way to coach people? What's this? I'm like, what do I feel in my gut and in my heart that people need? And, it, and basically normal, like the best way to grow your glutes and calorie deficit start to start to feel heavy. And all of a sudden, like, why don't we fix all these other issues became a lot lighter. And I'm, I just felt the desire internally to lean into that kind of stuff. Cause it's always bothered me where it's like, we have the world of fitness and weight loss here. And we have the world of inner work, um, mental health, all this other stuff here And these industries are almost like at odds. I was talking with a friend of mine, who's like a professional in this world. And I was talking to my therapist about it and, um, and all this stuff and other therapist clients that I have, that I coach and we are all on the same page. And I'm like, what if I just brought these two worlds together? Because, but, but I'm like, ah, but no one's ever done that. Wait, no one's ever done that. And I'm like, that's when I'm like, oh, I could really do something with this. And then as soon as I started leaning into that side of stuff, because I was scared. You said, how, how'd you get the confidence to do that? Is I didn't, I was, I'm still, still scared shitless, right? Because it's, it's one of those things where I don't want to go outside of my scope. But I also believe there's a lot within our scope where we can help with all of this stuff. And what really started 
I don't know how to put it. What, what really got me to really believe this was the thing where I'm supposed to be with this is not only do I feel totally aligned with this energetically, but I was, I've been talking to my, my therapist about it and she's like, she's all gung ho. Then all of a sudden therapists left and right started applying for coaching with me to fix this shit with them. Literally therapist after therapist after therapist came on board with my coaching program. And then, and, and, and all of this, not that I'm a therapist by any means, but I'm like, I think I've got something here. And then it's just one thing led to another. And then like clients of mine have been like making these massive life altering changes because we're doing a little bit of literally instead of binge eating, why don't we journal about it? Well, Hey, instead of like waking up reactive and doing all this crazy stuff, why don't we just like take a step back and like meditate for like five minutes and connect with yourself and get your breathing under control and like audit your thoughts and beliefs and then start your day. And like one thing led to another. And then that's kind of where got, things got to where they're at right now. I love that, man. I think you said a few things that I just, that I can relate to and that I want to touch on. Like, I mean, one, that last part about reacting, I, th- I often tell people like this work helps you learn how to be responsive versus yeah. continually being reactive. And I think they're two different mm-hmm. things. Um, and it's, and it's cool too, that you come out about it. Cause is I, I too have, I've gone to therapy uh, for a period of yes. time and it, it definitely was one of those things for me where I, I realized that I was avoiding it because on the surface, I was like, what, what do I have to complain about? You know, right. I'm good. Right. And that's like the classic dude thing to say, like, I'm good. And it, it finally took my wife being like, you're not fucking good. You keep saying I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't talk. But I think that's, that's the problem, right? Is like that, that whole worthiness thing, that acceptance and, and getting past that is, is why I see a lot of people make these leaps and bounds. And you're so right, man, everything is fucking connected. And it can be like, I know you say you're not a therapist, but a lot of it can start from, and you can give me your thoughts or opinions on this, but a lot of it can start from just asking the right questions, right? If you ask yeah. the right questions, the person will lead themselves to the awareness they need to, to, to come to. What, that's literally what therapy does. Like, again, right. not a therapist. I don't want to like make any claims, but like if even like looking at, I'm, I'm sure you could say this with yours. I can say this with mine or any good therapist. They don't, they number one, don't tell you what to, they don't give you the answer. They just tell you where to look. Cause they don't know, right? Like they don't know someone's deep down stories. Fuck. I didn't know my deep down stuff. I didn't know some of the stuff that came out in therapy. I'm like, I didn't know this was a thing, but then I was like literally man crying on, in like a therapy session, but she's just asking the right questions. Like an onion, dude, you're just peeling that thing back. And like, uh, and it's just, you find stuff. It's like, wow, I didn't know I struggled with this. Or like, I'm sure like, even like not getting into like inner work and headspace stuff, but a lot of people dieting don't find this. A lot of people are like, oh, I didn't think I restricted that much until I got thinking about my binge eating. I didn't think I was operating out of scarcity around food until I really realized, oh, I'm binging because I know I'm not supposed to have this starting Monday. So maybe there is scarcity around certain foods in my head. Whereas a lot of people, there's all this complete unknown below the surface and it's, it's through asking the correct questions to get someone to open up. I, it's actually Simon Sinek has this concept of like seven layers deep of why, like, you know, like the cliche book of start with why, well, he has this thing where he talks about like, no, get seven deep on it. And nine times out of 10, the person's going to cry where like, if you can keep peeling like back and back and back and back and ask the right questions, it'll tell you everything you want to see or everything you want to know. So yeah, hundred percent. I, I, you, you said, uh, and I love, I've never heard this before. I love this. Uh, you pee in one part of the pool, you pee, piss in the whole pool. Like that's, yeah. it's a hilarious analogy that like clicks. But um, when you said that, I thought about, you know, I think it was, I was actually the youngest guy in this group. And I went on this retreat that was for male entrepreneurs. I wasn't even a business owner yet, but I just went with somebody that I knew that encouraged me to do it. And, and it's, it was basically 
working on all this kind of stuff. And it was the first time I opened up as, as a male, which was really hard because it's a room full of yeah. fitness professionals, like 10 of us, alpha males, like nobody wanted to break. But by the end of the week, like we were all- Everybody's balling their face <laughs> off. Yeah. <Exactly. laughs> but uh, they, they had these like four pillars, right? And there's a bunch of people that do this, right? Like Wake Up Warrior is something that I've done in the past. It's like body being balanced business. But I'm curious because you said, you know, piss in one, you piss in the whole pool. I noticed this with clients is like, you know, I used to always say the body, uh, uh, the fastest path to power is your body, right? And what what had happened was I was training people and they would lose weight. And then all of a sudden their relationship improved because I kind of would talk to them about other stuff. And then they got a raise yeah. and it was like, all these things started happening. It started clicking with me like, oh, if we can change one thing, we can start changing them all. But do you have mm-hmm. like pillars or cores or, or anything that you're like with clients or with people or with myself, like I focused on these aspects of life. And, and I realized that, like the pillars thing for me is like if one pillar falls, the whole kingdom crumbles, right? Like, do you have yeah. anything like that similar? Uh, yes and no. I don't have like the the Jared's four pillars kind right. of necessarily. Um, but um, I would say the biggest thing is it comes back to your identity and, and subconscious beliefs because everything, because I mean, what what is it? Like 90% of our day-to-day is unconscious, right? The fact that I'm holding my hand in the air talking is completely an unconscious activity. I'm playing with a cord, a charging cord. Like I'm not aware of it. I'm just doing it. Well, the thing is um, everything about what our, our subconscious actions are goes to validate our subconscious beliefs. It's the thermostat analogy all over again. If my thermostat set on 70, because that's where it's set, my room heats up to 80, it cools it back down. Um, the room, it get, turns, because it's Indiana and when and the weather's bipolar, it could be cold as fuck and then it'll heat the room up. It's, it's, it's on autopilot, right? Well, we are the same way with our beliefs, which ties into our identity, which tie into the, the story, right? If you look at everything someone struggles with, it's like, well, I've always struggled. Well, that replay, it's Dr. Dispenza says it best. He says, if we, um, if we focus on a familiar past, we create a predictable future mm-hmm. and now it's on autopilot. Right. So it's one of those things where my thing is the first thing I, I, I try to teach people with, if you want to call it my pillars are, um, is questioning your beliefs and identity and actually putting those there on purpose, not because they've always, they've always been there. Right. But then number two is, is you can't escape a jail. You don't know you're trapped in and then becoming aware of your unconscious programs. Right. Like there are some people, like, I'm sure you've seen this with co- with coaching clients that they may be doing a the perfect plan that's sustainable, that is not rigid or extreme or all or nothing or whatever, but they still fall off because they've always fallen off, right? It's like their, their autopilot is as soon as they hit three months, something legitimate always happens and they fall off the wagon, they sabotage, whatever. And it's like a drug addict doing drugs for 20 years. And then one day they go, no more drugs for me. And, and then they wonder why the next day, every fiber in their being is giving them all the reasons to do drugs again, where it's, it's because it's, it's their emotional addiction and physical, but this weight loss game is no different where people need to question their identity and beliefs in what story they're replaying. But then what are your actual patterns that go on autopilot? Because you might be doing everything right, but then because you've given up within three weeks for the past 20 years, or you, as soon as you make progress to the program, you have to switch to a different program or whatever the pattern is recognize it so you can be prepared when it happens. Uh, an analogy I use a lot is, uh, is we, we, we can't stop the rain from coming, but we can totally put our windows up. Like you can't stop the rain from, from pouring. You can't be like, Hey God, don't let that happen, but you can totally prepare for it and put the windows up. So your car doesn't get soaked. Well, it's the same thing with this. You have to be aware of, Oh wow. That's happened the past, whatever 
however many times and then be prepared for it because now it's just old conditioning, right? It's like a dog that's been, been beaten its whole life. Now it gets with good owners. It's still gonna, gonna wince until through new conditioning, it realizes nothing bad is gonna happen because the body teaches the mind what to think. It's why you have to face a fear and can't read about facing the fear. Mm. So, God, I fucking love that, dude. Have you read the book, The Big Leap? Mm. You would love that book. There's a few, I haven't read it. I bet I <laughs> But it changed my life a long time ago, but it talks about self-sabotage. Really? And it, the thing I noticed with it was very similar to what you were saying, and I, and I really want to get your take on this in a sec. Like, it, it taught me what self-sabotage even was, and then you kind of start seeing where you're doing it in your life. And yeah. <laughs> you can almost see it before it happens because you start doing the actions that are very repetitive in your history. Sure. And you can almost like go, oh, shit, let me stop because I'm doing mm -hmm. it you know, and I'm about to self-sabotage. Um, but my question for you is how do you rewire that? Like that, I feel like it's, you know, listening to you, I 100% relate to it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are like, oh, fuck, yep, that's right. Like, I get it, I get it. But what they don't get and what most people don't get and what even people like me fall back in the habit of is understanding how to rewire that so you don't repetitively yeah. do that. I mean, I do that in my relationship. You know, like sure. my wife complains about the thing that she's complained about a million times. And I'm like, fuck, I, <laughs> I keep doing this annoying fucking thing to you. I'm so sorry. Like, and sorry is not good enough, right? And I yeah. have to rewire myself and it takes time. But how do you, how do you get people to do that? So this is the hardest part because mm -hmm. now we're going against old conditioning. This is the, the number one thing is first of all, step one is be aware. You can't, you can't escape a jail you don't know you're trapped in. So the step one is you have to be aware of the old program. Because, but then you have to understand it, that it's, it's literally old conditioning, right? It's like, it, it's, so my dogs are a great example. Like we were talking off, uh, off camera about, um, about like, I have three dogs. Well, two of my dogs, um, my two girls had really shitty owners, right? They were abused and have a lot of baggage. So when I got my two girls, Nika and Lily, uh, you would pet them and they would wince. And I don't beat my dogs, but the other people did. Actually, one of my dogs we think was a fight dog, but that's a whole other story. So she's got a lot of baggage and a lot of old triggers and a lot of old conditioning, which is really relatable to people. So for her, I couldn't just wait for her to get over it. And 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 because if I never pet her, like if every time I go to pet her, she would wince like I was going to hit her. I can't just sit back and wait for that to get over because, because our, all this stuff is tied to your nervous system. That's why we have physiological responses, stress, anxiety, uh, blood pressure, all these things. It's through new conditioning and new repeated action. The body teaches the mind what to think. And now you're rewiring yourself. So for example, it's the same reason I believe why people are scared shitless of jumping out of a plane. And then as soon as they land, they're ready to go back up again. But you can't read a book about getting over the fear of heights. You could write a, sci a, a, a psychologist could literally write a book about why it's dumb to be scared of heights. And you go, that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't give a shit. And you're you still have a physiological response because all this stuff is tied to our nervous system. Well, the issue is now that you're aware of like, wow, that's fucked up. I, okay. That's how I'm wired. Now I want to unwire myself. It, it, I, I view it like crossing a stream. You're going to have to go against a little bit of friction. There's no way to do it. I might, I couldn't wait till my dog, Lily, quit being scared of me. I had to, through her getting pet by me and she would wince and I would pet her, her brain goes, oh, wait, that motherfucker didn't hit me. And then over repeated repetition of new conditioning, the body taught the mind what to think. Mm -hmm. That's why facing, when you face a fear, it goes away. It, li it literally goes away is because you're going through the resistance. You can't wait, like, wait, try waiting until the stream ends to cross it. It's never, it's a constant, it never ends. 
but you go through the stream and it's the, the tide hits you, you feel it. And it's like, okay, this is uncomfortable. The issue is here, here's the messed up part. This is where it gets really deep. Most people don't realize your brain doesn't care if you're happy. Your brain only cares about survival, right? It's the evolutionary side to us. It doesn't care if you're happy. It just cares about surviving. Well, and if, even if it's a fucked up scenario, let's say it's trauma-based or has all this old junk around it. If your brain's like, well, at least we're not going to die, but over an unknown land is death. So we can at least prepare for the worst case here. So that's why we have resistance to change, even if we know we need to change. It's because our brain, that's the only form of grounding we have, at least it knows. So if all you've done is binge, if all you've done is fall off the wagon, it, this is why it feels like literally death to your brain, not giving in. It's because your brain views it as literally death, not doing what it's always done because our, our minds crave the familiar. And if the fucked up is the familiar, that's its weird form of grounding because the unfamiliar is, is death. That's the way our brains view it. So the only way to do that is through new conditioning going, yeah, this is going to suck. Every fiber of me is going to want to fall off and whatever it is, let's say it's every three months you fall off or every, you know, start over Monday, whatever it is. And you going, okay, I'm not going to do that again. It's going to feel like death to your brain, not doing it. It's like a drug addiction. And then through those repeated actions, now you have new conditioning and welcome to being rewired. One thing I've said, and I, I didn't mean for this to be like a triple A AAA thing, but it ended up being this. Because <laughs> um, I, I don't want it to be like a corny thing, but like I, I, I was talking to somebody, it was actually emailing a client and, and it came out and then I used it for content later on, but it was like uh, yeah. awareness, acceptance, action. And then I think I actually think I there was that. a word called acceleration, right? So it's like, Basically, like if you don't, awareness precedes change. If you don't know it's there, then you can't change, yep. right? Then you have to accept it, right? Because a lot of times, like you said, like the height thing, I'm, I'm deathly afraid of heights. So I can totally relate to that. And I don't give a fuck <laughs> tells me what. I'm, <laughs> I'm not standing on the edge of that building. I'm not bungee jumping right. like that. Um, but that uh, in, in fat loss, I think it's, it's in business growth, mental growth, all that stuff. After awareness, you have to accept what is. Um, really good book there is Loving What Is. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but really, really deep. Mm. Almost like too deep for me the first time I read it. And then I had to go What's back. What's it called? To it. Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Um, what is? I'm going to write that down. It's really powerful. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the whole thing is about acceptance, right? It's, it's, it's understanding mm. and accepting what is. But I think that's a big pivotal piece because people always ask me, um, how do I get better at taking action? You know, it's the whole thing. Like, how do I stay motivated? Or how do I stay consistent? Like, I think like this formula we're talking about is that, right? You get aware and then you accept it so you can take action because that's the only well, way that you can. I think, and I want to, I want to interrupt you for just a second. I think the expectation piece is what fucks everybody up. Mm. Expectations is what governs an experience, right? The only time you're disappointed is when you thought it wasn't going to be disappointing, Right. If people go into this and they think this is going to be all hunky-dory and it's not going to be scary as shit, well, of course it's going to be a rude awakening. One of my favorite examples along this is, so I like water, obviously. Water's, I like water, but I also like Diet Pepsi. Love Diet Pepsi. I like both of those beverages, but if I have a, like a blacked out container that I can't see the inside of it, um, like a water, like say a, like a, like just a water bottle of some sort that I can't see the liquid, but I'm expecting water and I get diet Pepsi. Ugh, I'm like, that's nasty. Right. Or in, you know, on its end, if I'm expecting, if I have a can of diet Pepsi and I throw it back and it's water, I'm like, that's nasty. It's be just, I like both of those products. I like water. I like diet Pepsi, but because it's not what I expected, it's a horrendous experience. And I went, Bleh, right. 
if you if someone's like going through this inner transformation of like, oh yeah, I've been doing some really self-sabotaging stuff for a long time. I'm not going to do that anymore. And they don't expect for like every fiber in their being to be freaking the living fuck out and acting like a toddler that got its favorite toy taken away. It's, it's going to be a rude awakening, but if we can prepare, if you, if you know the roads ahead, you can suffer better, right? Not that like we teach to suffer, but I would be ignorant if I said, Hey, you're going to feel like shit for a little bit. Right. It's uh, one, an analogy I like to use is for, for anyone that follows me very long um, knows about, I like document my whole life on like Instagram stories. Well, I do jujitsu, love jujitsu with, a, I, it's, it's like, I do it three, four times a week. Well, when I like, I still suck at jujitsu, but when I like went from like brand newbie sucking to like sucking less, um, I noticed my coach kicked it up a notch, right? Like, like in jujitsu with grappling, new guy comes to class, coach doesn't have to work hard to, to whip your ass. So like, they're just like, like adult patty cake and just letting you like work. But then all of a sudden, when I was started like getting the hang of it, like a year in, I was like, all of a sudden coach started beating me shit out of me, like kicked it up a notch. And I'm like, what, what the fuck was that? And he's like, well, you almost got me. And I'm like, I almost got you interesting. But like, I could take that perspective, that, that event, one of two different ways I could go, I'm never going to beat coach. He just keeps beating my ass. Cause he just got harder. Or I could go, wait, coach freaks out when I'm getting close. That means I'm getting a lot better. I try to teach people like, cause it's when you're in the, the midst of not giving in to self-sabotage, it's hard. You feel like it's, this is a failure because you're struggling more than you ever have because you're going against old conditioning and emotionally you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just terrible. This is never going to work. It's like, no, no, no. You're about to tap coach you're getting closer. You've never been this far away from the old pattern before. So it's, it's, it's last shot, right? A lot of people forget that because when you go against old conditioning, it's going against your own nervous system. So when it's like, man, I just don't feel good about this. I just uncomfortable. It's hard. It's, it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's actually a sign you're doing the right stuff because this is the equivalent of no, you're just about to beat coach. Mm. So that's an example I like to give about territory. I like that. No, I think, you know, the expectations thing is a good point. And I think uh, obviously there's a lot that relates to that. Like what's your perspective on the situation so on and so forth sure. but with expectations. The first two things that come to my mind were, and I'm sure there's like some questions that you can ask a client to try to change the way they perceive their expectations mm -hmm. before going into something. Um, but comparison is something that was the first thing that popped in my head. You know, if you're comparing to other people's results, other people's journeys, all these things, yeah. it's going to dictate how your expectations mm -hmm. end up, you know? Um, and then obviously I think there's some self-judgment in there that can change that too. But yeah. is, there, is there anything you work on specifically or questions you ask or anything like that to try to reframe their expectations? Um, I would even think like a timeline, like, you know, if your timeline's all fucked up, that's going to change it, you know? So what are yeah. you doing or asking or, or putting in place to shift the expectations in a positive way to help these people make that change? Full context, man. Like that's, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the things, um, if any of my clients are listening to this, they'll, 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 they'll are all nodding their heads where it's like context is really fucking important. Context is everything, right? Like, like there's a, it's like the, the story of someone, someone is at three in the morning and someone's banging on your front door at three in the morning. Well, you're all pissed off and really concerned. Why is this dude on my front porch at three in the morning? Then you finally go to the front door and he's like, bro, your barn's on fire. I just want to let you know, like the little mini shed in your backyard's on fire. Well, you went from pissed off at why are you waking me up at three in the morning to I'm so thankful you are pounding on my door at three in the morning and telling me something in my backyard's on fire. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. 
So like, that's one thing, this is when, with my clients and what I teach with people is to give, to, to bring full context to the surface, but then also compare this to outside of stuff, outside of fitness, right? So like, for example, uh, the comparison, the game is a great one. I always say this because we know we shouldn't compare, but everyone compares. So my, my rule of thumb is if you're going to compare, compare consistently and compare the whole picture compare the side effects, compare the repercussions. Someone goes, Sally lost 30 pounds in 30 days. Maybe I, my weight loss progress is so slow. And I'm like, if you're going to compare, we can't treat comparison like a buffet and pick and choose what we want. We can compare the whole story. Tell me about the rest about Sally's life. Oh, well, she throws up after every meal. She is about to divorce her husband because she's crazy dieting all the time and she won't do anything. Oh, and she eats 800 calories a day okay, so should we could be comparing with Sally anymore? It's people have a tendency when it comes to comparison to compare just the one like micro piece that has no context that's relevant versus like bring full context. Should we compare that, right? I used to struggle comparing my business to other more successful coaches. And then I would find out like, oh, well, they evade taxes. They treat their team like shit. Oh, they te te treat their clients like shit. And I would never want a single day in their shoes ever again. So all of a sudden, when I bring full context to the picture, I don't want anything to do with it. So as far as like the, like the comparison game is, number one is bring full context to the picture, but then is this relevant outside of what we're working with, right? Like you can't tell me my stick's bent without showing me a straight stick to compare it to, but most people's straight stick is a, a level that isn't possible to achieve. I was speaking with someone the other day that they were like, well, I'm such a, I was expecting to, because they were applying to work with me and they were tell them about their weight loss journey. And they're like, um, they're like, well, I was expecting to lose like three pounds a week for the next like 90 days. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, you literally put your standard on a level that is impossible to reach. I'm like, would you ever tell your best friend to do that? Would you ever like put these in place with someone else? And they're like, oh, oh no. And, and it's, it's because we have to make this even relevant contextually, the situation and outside of fitness too. So. And I want to commend you for that too, because that takes integrity as a coach, you know, because I think that there's a lot of people who will say yes, 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 until they see a dollar sign because that's what they're after. And then as soon as they're in the door, it's like, okay, well, they're not going to get meet their expectation because it's completely unrealistic, but I wasn't going to tell them that because I wanted them to pay me for my business. Yeah. That's disgusting. You know? Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, that's, I, I think that's huge. And I think the way you're able to articulate it and you have so many analogies man i really like that about the way you describe things like that's, that's the outside of fitness part is we yeah. have to make this an, another analogy that instantly clicks yeah but sorry to interrupt yeah no, no no that's i mean that's perfect dude and i think that um a lot of this stuff is actually kind of obvious in a sense and i mean that in a good way because i think there's a lot of people that if you say like okay let's compare we all we're all humans we all compare right they'd be like well yeah that's true I'm like okay well let's compare the whole situation you explain that and it's it's so true people even I remember people asking me about my training and I would always preface like it's, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't matter what I do, but it's completely different yeah. so I've been training for 11 years and I own a yeah. fucking gym. So I just walk out the door <laughs> and work out like that's a really abnormal yeah. human situation. So it's not something to compare to, but, um, but when you, when you break down the whole situation, it, they, they almost, in my mind, I'm thinking of somebody else. They almost would go, well, yeah, duh. I mean, that's, I guess that's pretty obvious. You know, they're super stressed out. They're, they're pretty unhealthy, but, but that's the, the goal. Yeah. Because that's how you get their mind to snap out of it. Because yeah. here's the thing is like, yes, conditioning matters, like what we've been talking about. But also you, you don't, in most people's cases, you don't need more information. You need more awareness. There's a, I'm, I actually have it right in front of me. I'm right now, I'm in the middle of the power of awareness, uh, the book. And it, it's, you just need one piece of awareness that just goes, oh, 
And then your whole life can be changed because you're presented with one new piece of data, right? It was almost like uh, the whole four minute mile thing, right? Scientists said, doctors said that it's physiologically impossible for a mile to be ran in under four minutes. Your heart will explode. The body can't, per physics, your body can't do it till that cocky son of a bitch did it. And then the next day, 20,000 more people did it. Yeah. It's not because new data came out. It was like consciousness got raised. Mm. Perspective got shifted, which is why I give off the wall analogies that have nothing to do with fitness. Like, because it instantly makes their brain go, oh, it, it's like, if I came into my, my garage area right here and my dog was on the ceiling, I would instantly view gravity differently. I'm like, I don't know why, but gravity is not what I thought it was. And when we have, cause it's uh, Seth Godin. I was in one of his books recently talks about like the lizard brain, right. Or the old self. Yep. Well, you can't just shut that off. Like the old self in psychology or whatever. We can't just shut that off. You almost, he said it best. You have to seduce it. Or I almost view it like a court case, right? Like when, like presented with this data, this feeling is pretty wrong, <laughs> right? So you can't just shut it off. It's like, no, when you have data and information and examples and all this stuff, you're almost just like seducing the lizard brain or you're almost like in a court of law, that feeling is now irrelevant. So this is why like when people tell me all of whatever goes on, I give another example because their brain now has data it can't argue with, right? If someone thinks carbs store fat, then I make them eat carbs every day and then they lose weight. It's like God snapped his fingers because they literally have data in front of them. Their brain can't argue with and it goes, oh, I guess we were wrong. Because when, when presented with data, faith is no longer required. Mm -hmm. Well, I view it this way. When someone goes, Jared, I'm just an all or nothing person. You just don't understand. I go, can you give me an example outside of fitness that you're an all or nothing person? Uh, my job. So did you quit when you were late for work five minutes because of construction? Oh, well, no. <laughs> well, I'm all or nothing in school. Did you ever get the B? Yeah. So why didn't you drop out? Oh, well, I guess I'm not. Do you have kids? Well, yeah. Did they ever not clean their room? Yeah. Well, then why do you disown them and put them up for adoption? Oh, I guess. So. And because it instantly invalidates yeah. whatever their old belief is. When you can have a crazy off the wall example that's relevant that they're doing right now. It's why. So like to date, one of my, my best analogies that hits people is the brushing your teeth analogy. When people are like, I fell off my diet. I'm going to start over Monday. I'm like, if you forgot to brush your teeth on Wednesday, would you not brush your teeth till Monday? Would you feel guilty about forgetting to brush your teeth? Probably not. Would you be like, I'm an all or nothing person. I'm not, I'm just going to start over Monday. Like, no, that's ridiculous. But, but it's because when you give an example that somebody's already doing, it instantly invalidates the old belief that we're trying to change anyway. So yeah. it's, it's, it's proof of possibility. I did a, absolutely. I did a podcast called what's your four minute mile. And I went on this huge rant about this. I love that. Um, and, and it actually goes back to even what I said, something kind of briefly to you before we started recording and I've actually said this at a seminar I was given on uh, building an online business. <clears throat> and I said that like to these trainers and coaches and stuff in the crowd, I was like, your superpower is that you're really fucking normal. And they thought it was like so weird that I said that, but I, I love that, man. But I related it to this, like, like, and that's one of the reasons the first thing I said to you, I was like, dude, it's really powerful because you're an average dude. And I didn't say it in a bad way. I said it in an amazing way because now people watch and they're like, I'm an average fucking person too he's doing it he's building a business he yeah. lost the way he's changing this he started brazilian jiu-jitsu whatever it is he he's working on his inner confidence like to me my whole motivation the entire time of growing my business doing all these things has always been that i'm a normal fucking dude and maybe there's another normal guy that wants more but he doesn't believe in himself you know and he, and he sees me do it so he's like 
well, fuck, maybe I can do it because the IG influencer yeah. that is totally different than me, you know, has a totally different life or he's a pro athlete, which is totally different. Um, that's who they're comparing to. And that's who they're following for proof. And that's just so unrealistic. Yeah. So unrealistic. And that's the thing is like, even like in the comparison, like going back to the comparison conversation where people compare themselves to all these things, they have to compare the whole story. Like the fact that like that Instagram influencer is actually fat as shit. Now they just have their bodybuilding prep photos that they just keep mm. replaying for a year over year or whatever. Like, that's why I like out of the woodwork has been coming out a lot of, I've been seeing a lot of female influencers who are uh, basically sharing like, Hey, let me show you what this angle tip does. And it shows like the most insane before and after picture. And it's like, they were just an angle difference. And it's like, here, I'm about to snap my spine in half. So you don't see my cellulite and stretch marks. Here's how I normally look. And it's, and it, I think consciousness around it is getting better, but uh, I think people are still just looking through it through like this little peephole where you don't see the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to shift gears and ask you a couple of things, but before I do, I, I this yeah. has been such a good topic to dive into just basically like inner work as a whole for, I mean, really any change, but like in regards to physical change, just to kind of cap this out, like, what do you tell people to convince them that this is what they need when they say like, no, 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 like, I don't give a shit about meditating and asking myself deep questions. I just want to lose 30 pounds. Like mm -hmm. what, what is your answer of like, this is why you need this first for, for longevity yeah. after uh, nine times out of 10. Um, if it's a double-edged sword. Um, there's one thing I always say that usually hits most people, but some people are so closed around this, like it never gets through. Like you have to be a fraction of a bit coachable to accept any of this, right? Well, um, I always compare it to like the stereotypical foundation of a house house analogy, but I, I go to a little bit different. I, I, I usually say to them, I said, okay, look, let's just say you're in a position now to build the dream home of your life. Not just like build a house. Like I'm talking about like you won the lottery, you have a piece of land and you get to literally customize your entire house to build like that you've dreamed of since you were a little kid. I'm like, okay. And I say, but because it's like a motherfucking mansion, the, the builders say, okay, can totally get this thing done. The foundation is going to take at least six months because it's a big fucking house. Um, but the foundation to get it poured and the footers and like the concrete, it's going to take at least six months. And then once we do that, we can totally build the rest of the house. I don't know a single person. And I tell them this, I say, I don't know a single person that would say, you know what, just forget the foundation. Cause I just put the walls and ceiling up. It's fine. Because that's, and that's the example, example I give my, I, I'll ask him, I'll, I'll ask somebody, I'll go, would you ever tell them to skip that because it takes too long or because you just really in a hurry to get your house built and nine times out of 10, they go, well, of course not. And I ask why. And it's well, cause the house won't survive, right? Like the goal of a house is it to be, it's to last hundreds of years. My house was built in like the 1940s and it's, it's still here because it was built well. And almost every person wants their goal, their, their physique or their goals to last more than like three months. So uh, I compare it to building a house. Whereas like the nice thing is if you take the time and have a rock fucking solid foundation, it doesn't matter what you put on that bad boy. It's not going anywhere. But if you were building a mansion, you would never tell the builders, yeah, skip the foundation and just throw the walls and ceiling up. It's fine because I'm in a hurry. No one would do that. But with fat loss, we have all these hypocritical components and the, this whole other aside that isn't relevant or isn't practical. So again, I compare it to something that they would object against. So <laughs> I laugh because I use the foundation analogy so 
much in coaching, dude. It's it's just there's so many things that's that you awesome. say in that I'd like laugh because I'm like, yeah, that's 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 me too. Yep, so I, I, do that. I do that. <laughs> love this episode. Um, there was a few topics that uh, my assistant sent over that like I, I don't know where they're gonna head, but I they just piqued my interest because surprise, surprise, I believe in them too, or I relate to them or whatever. Um, one go. of them was uh, business mentoring. And, and I think you actually just started something. So this is a chance you can today. Totally shamelessly plug. Oh, today. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. As we're recording this, so you can totally shamelessly plug that. But um, I want to kind of know why, because I've, I've literally never not had a business mentor. Ever since I started my business, I've always had a mentor for my life relationship business kind of uh, multifaceted. Um, and I've also been a part of different masterminds and things like that over the years that I hate because it was like the epitome of, of like that just slime ball click funnel salesy, like just thing that yep. I hate now. It makes me cringe. Um, and I know you're not that type of person, which is why I want to ask you this question. Like, sure. Like, why do you invest in that? Why do you think it's so important? And, and like, what do you, what, like, what change are you wanting to bring to that arena? If that makes sense? No, it, it does. So um, yeah, you're right. I actually just dropped my, my um, group business mentorship for online coaches uh, today. So um, yeah, if someone's listening and interested, just shoot me a message. But, um, but no, I, to be honest, what caused that is two things. Number one, mentors have always been pivotal for me. Every time I brought a mentor in, it's things have gone off the wall and it's just, it's helped me so much. Like I have people that'll ask, they're like, Jared, if you could go back in when you started, what would you do different? I said, I would have got a mentor sooner and started reading sooner. Right. Like I wouldn't change a thing, but if I had to pick, I would be, I would get into books and mentors quicker and sooner. Um, and, uh, the reason I've, I've felt drawn, I, I'm starting to do some mentorship work was, um, number one, I've been having, I would just like privately, like I would have coaches, like want my help and my perspective on like the holes in their business. Um, and which I was super grateful. They felt the need, felt, felt comfortable asking me, but then like, I've actually felt this desire to help other coaches for a long time, but because of those reasons, I haven't like my own limiting beliefs, my own self-doubt, my own, like every coach turns into a business coach. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm the business coach who helps coaches coach business coaches that helps business coach coaches. It's like, and, and it turns into like a, it's like a laughable thing, but like, I don't know an industry that's not like that. Like there's slime ball personal trainers, there's slime ball online coaches, but then there's people like you and me who are like actually helping people. So it, it's one of those things that it's like, there's great cops, there's shitty cops, there's great dentists and there are horrible dentists. It's like every industry has that. But um, like I mentioned earlier, for me, so much of where I go in the direction I move is based on that, like what I feel in my heart, which sounds really corny and butterfly-like, but it's, it's really that inter intuition about like, what should, where should I go? What feels heavy? What feels light? Where am I feeling drawn to? Um, and the one, number one, that's never led me wrong before. And it's just, it's part of the evolution of us as people, right? Honestly, that's the very reason at this moment right now, I don't have, I mean, I'm in like a, I'm in a, I'm in a, a mastermind group myself, but I don't currently have a current major mentor because uh, over time, my old mentor, it's our relationship started to feel heavy. And I just started to feel like, that wasn't a good fit anymore. So I stopped that and I haven't found anything that feels the right fit. And for me, I, it's like people do this when the relationships a lot where like they, let's say they're with someone they know is not going to work out, but they don't have anyone else yet. So they're like, I'll rock it until the next best thing comes along versus what they needed to do is, is break ties because that's what feels right. Cause my opinion is when we start having to validate stuff, it's, it's a red flag. Mm. Oh, I validate why I stay in abusive relationship. I validate 
this. But if you look at the best things in your life, you don't validate it. I don't validate my wife. I don't validate why I coach people. I don't validate um, the directions I go when they are in line with my, my spirit. But when I was back in the day, trapped it, not trapped, when I like felt like I had to stay in my old personal training gig, I validated why I stayed and I knew I should have left. And I'm like, oh, it's secure. I, it's, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this, or, you know, if so, or like a friendship. I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't be as close to them, but we go get dinner sometimes and we this. When we validate, it means bad, um, in my opinion. So for me, when I have something that just feels right, like an energetic, like nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10. And that's what, for me, why I wanted to start playing with the realm of like coaching, helping coaches get their business off the ground. Cause not like the, the whole six figures in six days, bullshit. But, um, but one of those things where I just, I, I know what it was like with my business not off the ground. Right. Do you remember when your business, when you were worried about like light bills and shit? Oh yeah. Like you remember it was terrible. And I just, I know so many people, so many coaches right now that are struggling and I just, I know I can help, but and that, that's why I started it. So do you think that there's a difference between uh, business coaching and mentoring? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think you could see some extremes on a Venn diagram, but I feel like a good mentor coaches, but not a good coach mentors, mm. if that makes sense. Yep. I what do you think? That. I mean, yeah, that, that's exactly what my answer is. I think <laughs> that I've had business coaches that, were truly mentors to me. And then I've had business coaches who were strictly just business coaches. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, and I, to me, that's, and that's why I asked you, cause I'm curious. I think that you don't seem like the type of person that can allow a relationship or a journey or a conversation stay narrow-minded because that's all you know, or that's all you care about. Right. And I think that's a true mentor is willing to discuss other things and take you other places. Cause I've mentored people and, and I do the same thing. It's just very small. Like I don't, I don't market mm -hmm. anything and I keep a pretty small group of people. Um, and I I'm, there's a lot of times where people hire me for business and I'm like, Hey, for the first three months, we're not going to talk about your business at all because that's not your issue, you know? And then their yep. business grows because they, they fix other things, you know, themselves. Well, it's like what we've been talking about this whole time with fat loss, right? It has nothing to do with calories and strength training. It has all to do with your relationship to yourself and how your life is built based on the beliefs and identities and programs you have. So it, it's the same thing, right? That's where like, I feel like when it comes to like, like weight loss, for example, like for most people, it's more, it's much more of a mentorship. Actually, I tell people this during my onboarding process for taking on clients is this is not a challenge. This is not a fucking whatever you want to call it. This is a mentorship because your brain flips a little different, right? If someone gets in a fat loss program, you think it, the, the brain, we think normal old, like normal diet challenge bullshit. But when you're like, no, this is a fat loss mentorship. It's like you, you, you go into this totally different minded. Mm. And I view it the same way. Yeah. I love that, man. Um, what are your, I have one more question. I'm gonna throw a couple of random personality questions at you before we wrap this up. But this just kind of came to my mind as an entrepreneur, one, Part of the question is have you ever dealt with this and two how do you think people should handle it is like there's this this process of growth right and it's almost like you're never satisfied and it's kind mm -hmm. of like a double-edged sword right because I, i've talked about in the past like well i'm not satisfied so it keeps pushing me to grow you know but then that was actually at the root of what caused me to go to therapy because i was like I can't be, it's like, I can't find fulfillment. And I had to find what fulfillment actually was, which is a whole yep. different story. But um, 
do you ever, have you ever experienced that? What do you try to tell people that, that have this, this thing of like never being satisfied? Yeah, no, I love, that's a great question. Um, this is what I would label the satisfaction dichotomy. Mm. Everything beautiful has a dichotomy, everything. So like here, like a great example is like with your team, right? We will, both of our teams, if we lean, let's call it to the left of the dichotomy and we micromanage them, don't trust them and don't let them have enough room to be awesome. And we are just like on top of them like crazy that's an inappropriate balance. That's like, you don't trust them and believe in them enough and you, you lead too much. Well, what if you go to the far right and you don't lead them at all? They have no guidance, no direction, no help, no accountability, no support. Well, that's not okay either. So where's the magic? It's somewhere in the middle. Parenting's the same way. Business, everything that's, that's good has a dichotomy. Um, this hit really hard. I was reading Jocko Willink's The Dichotomy of Leadership. That's his, it's an amazing book. But um, it's the same thing. Uh, I think it's uh, one of my mentors, Ed Milet, talks about it this way. He, uh, he says, uh, he calls it blissful dissatisfaction because you need both, right? If you have pure bliss and no pain, then why would you change? There's no reason to grow. There's literally zero reason to grow because nothing hurts. But if you go all the way to the other extreme and you are nothing but self-deprecating dissatisfaction, which it sounds like you were, there's, you have no good feelings in your heart. You have no gratitude. You have no, you have no bliss. So then it's like, what's the point? Mm. If I, if none of this makes me happy, what's the fucking point? So where is it? You have pure bliss with zero pain and all pain and no bliss and no happiness. And so where is it? It's that blissful dissatisfaction where you have both. I think it's because I noticed this in business when I, when my business really started taking off and I started doing some cool stuff, it hit me. I hit, there was like a goal. Like it was, it was a monetary goal. I set this, this financial goal. And I'm like, when I hit that, I'll be, mm, that's, that's my spot. And I like blew way past it, but I never like looked at my numbers until one day I looked in and I was like, and it was, it was, it wasn't like I barely hit it. It was like, I was like $70,000 past it. And I'm like, I'm like, Shelby, look, I'm like my wife. And I'm like, I, I, I did it back to work. Yeah. I didn't even like sit in that at all. Like I, that was the most I did. And I was like, I was so, no, I've got to be the next vert and the next and the next and the next and the next. I was like, I don't give a shit. And like, that's dangerous as fuck because this is, I believe is the reason from the age of 23 to 29, um, uh, no, I'm sorry, maybe 28. Um, I don't remember anything. Literally. I remember like 22, 23, put my head down, took fucking work my ass off. And then like 2018, 2019, 2020, I'm like, how am I 29? I was just 23. But it's because I was, I grew up in the entrepreneur world. I grew up with hustle culture. I grew up with grind your face off. Do not feel any pleasure enough to where like this got worked out in therapy where, um, we got talking about this and it was, I, I, I was scared to feel worthy and deserving. Cause that was one of the other things we peeled down. It's like, I just have no worthiness or deserving feelings inside me. And as we talked about that and she like opened that onion and she's like, well, why? And I go, you know, I really think it's because if I start to allow myself to feel deserving or worthy, I'll take my foot off the gas and lose everything. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so, uns you want to talk about a fucked up foundation for building something that's not healthy at all. But I was so worried about falling on the other side of that dichotomy where it fucked, it, it literally like fucked me up. Like if we want to get tr true about it. So I think you have to have both, but I think that balance is constantly on a sliding scale, right? It's, it's like that whole, like, 
um, coachable and humble, like or where it's like, I know everything, I know nothing. Whereas if I go hop on the front of a stage and teach some people, there is no humility there at all. And I'm the baddest motherfucker in that room because that's what I'm being paid to teach. But I go to my mentors like event. I am nothing. I am worthless. <laughs> I am a sponge, you know, but like, I think part of this game is where it, it's changing and you have to be self-aware enough to know where to put that dial. But I think people, when it's something they struggle with, they go light switch on, light switch off. That's so, so fucking true, man. Um, dude, I could, I could keep going on and on and on. Um, I want to ask you like three or four rapid fire questions that won't take long. Let's do it. You're such a, and I actually never do this on the podcast, but just based on our conversation, I feel like I have to pull these things away from <laughs> just for listeners. Um, the first one is top three books that you suggest. Uh, top three books that have changed your life. We'll do it that way. I've got like my top six, but no top three. I, I would say, uh, think and grow rich Napoleon Hill. Uh, I would say I literally have them all up here in front of me. Uh, okay. Think and grow rich Napoleon Hill, the illusion of money, Kyle sees and becoming supernatural. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm, I've heard really good things about the last one. I haven't read that. So it's funny. Um, the, my favorite pair is the illusion of money and Dispenza's book becoming supernatural. It's like the textbook version and like the for dummies version, uh, doctor, you can tell Dispenza is a neuroscientist writing to normal people. It's an amazing book, but fuck, it is a stout read. It's basically like, for those that know, like think and grow rich. It's basically like if think and grow, if Napoleon Hill and Albert Einstein wrote a book together where it's like all the think and grow rich stuff, but here's the exact science and cell to cell relationship. Yeah. Why law of attraction exists and stuff like yeah. that. It's dope, but Love that. I'm going to check that one out for sure. Cause I've heard about that many times. Um, okay. Top three podcasts that you listen to. Um, I currently listen to two, sometimes three. Um, I listen to uh, Andy Frisella's real as fuck. Um, then also Ed Milet's the Ed Milet show. I'm, 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 I'm in the Arte syndicate. So like I eat, sleep and breathe everything those motherfuckers say. Um, if I branch out and go a third, um, I listen to, I'll either listen to Lewis Howes or um, Tom Billiou. Love it. Love it, man. Um, okay. So Oh, I had, a, I had another one on top of my head. Oh, routines. Do you have a morning routine? Do you have a daily routine? Like, do you have anything that you're like, my day is not what it needs to be if I don't do X, Y, Z? Yeah. Um, I try to, so I used to fall victim to the whole, like, I need to have like an eight hour morning routine. And it's like, where it's just like a million facets to it. And don't get me wrong. Those have their time in their place. But if I, for me, um, my day has to start with inner work. So for me, for, for, for example, to keep this short, I, uh, I naturally, uh, so I grew up a very anxious little, little kid. So if I have anxiety or if my mind goes crazy, it's upon waking. It's, it's, uh, one of the things I'm dealing with through therapy is I'll have like really fucked up dreams really consistently. So like I normally wake up anxious or in very fight or flight, not like that bad, but like, like just not I wake up very reactive. Um, so uh, as soon as I get up, if I don't do some grounding inner work. I go into my coaching and like check-ins and clients and stuff, go into it very reactive. And it's just like, it's like a reactive dog. It's just not a good idea. Not like anything bad's going to happen, but I'm not at my best if I don't fill my cup up first. Right. So for me, my morning routine is really simple. Um, I stay off social media for a minimum of 30 minutes. Um, and then I also usually get my reading done. Um, for the day. So I get into a book. So instead of getting on like Instagram, I get into whatever my current read is. And then I usually do some journaling. Um, I, I, there's a couple of different styles of journaling. I do, I do what's called uh, just like what I call a brain dump, 
if like, sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short. It's like, if I wake up really reactive, I'm just writing down why I feel reactive. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, we're good moving on. And it's like one sentence, but then I, I play with uh, what's called Caligo style journaling. Um, it's a Kyle Cease thing. Um, and then I'll usually meditate and then my days, then I can start my day. So though, if I don't, if I go right into work or uh, social or whatever, it's, it's just not as good. So. I agree. I went from having a really long morning routine early in my career to like narrowing it down as well. So I totally get that. Minimalist, uh, my, yeah. my last question was the journal. I was going to ask uh, if you have a, a preferred journaling style or a preferred journal. I get that all the time. Like what kind of journal should I start with? Or what kind of journal should I buy? Do you have any? So actually it's, yeah. So I have a, a very specific perspective on this that um, I actually was talking to my therapist about this and, and some of my therapist clients and see if they agree. Cause this was just the way I viewed it based on my own experiences. So I have two uh, journals. I have a, a nice leather bound journal and then a bullshit like college rule notebook. Cause I would find when I first got started into journaling, it's like everyone goes and buys a really nice journal, like a leather bound, really thick. I felt like when I was just brain dumping and writing through my emotions, because it's just the bullshit thoughts we, we sometimes think and need to get out. Um, I would almost not journal because I had this belief that like what I'm writing isn't worthy of the nice notebook. Mm. You know, it's like, I'm just like ranting on a page. I, it's fine. Um, but what I do is when I'm doing a brain dump or an emotional dump where I just like literally the, the, the mental equivalent, equivalent of taking a shit, I just get a cheap notebook and I just rant in that bad boy, whatever. If I'm feeling anxious, I write about my anxiety. If I'm a little frustrated, I write about what I'm frustrated about. If I'm pissed, I write about what I'm pissed about. Cause all we're doing is holding space for those emotions. That's essentially what journaling is supposed to do is, is you're, you're not suppressing the emotions they're avoiding them. You are holding space for them. So now they have room to leave. So, and then once the journal's done, filled up, I literally just throw it away. It's just where, cause it's like, you don't, you go to the bathroom and you flush it. You don't like save it to compare and reflect. You just flush it. Right. It's the same thing. Now, when I'm working on stuff, new identities, new beliefs, new thought processes, um, goal oriented stuff. That's when I use the nice notebook. It just, for me, it does something where it's like, no, these are newer things we're working on. So these are worthy of a nicer notebook. So that's why, and then I keep these. So like right now I'm, I'm about filled up this leather bound one right here. Um, so as far as journaling, those are the two kinds I do is either a brain dump or like more, more like, all right, what are we actually working on? What are identities we're trying to change and work and grow through? And I put that in a nicer notebook. I love that, dude. It's funny. I have, uh, I have my nice fancy leather one that I use in the morning. I, I do brain dumps at night. So I have a, like a yeah. cheap one in my home office desk that I do the same thing before I go to bed. And then I actually have another little one that stays in my backpack for content ideas because it's just scratchy notes of like, this yeah. will be a good post or this will be a good video. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, uh, same thing. I, I usually use my phone it. for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Like I have to write things down with paper and then I mm -hmm. have to cross it off. Like this is weird. I take it to the next level. I have a black pen and a red pen and I have to cross it off with the red pen for some reason. And that feels really fucking good to be like, it's done. <laughs> so maybe we're more alike than, than we think because uh, I wouldn't consider this journaling. I have a third that I use, uh, it's, um, but I do uh, what Frisella talks about in the power list. I'm a such a to-do list person. So every day has five critical tasks, three to five critical tasks that are my live or die by have to get done list. And I get so much gratification of fucking check marking and crossing shit off. And if I get everything done on my list, I get a W for the day. And if I get three out of, or let's say four out of five, I take a loss for the day. Um, even though, so now my losses are better than most people's wins. Cause I still was productive, but it's like, no, I said, I was going to do these five things and L's hurt. 
So, and then I extrapolate that. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, I, over there, I have Jesse yeah. Itzler's big ass calendar. So I literally now on a, it's my year to glance calendar and uh, every day has a W or an L on it. So I can look at like this quarter. Oh, wow. I killed it. Ooh, I got lazy here. Okay. I got back to killing it where I can see on like a grand scale, my W's and my L's. That's dope. I like that a lot. That's, that's dope. <laughs> Dude, I could keep going on and on. Uh, this has been a great podcast. I appreciate the time, man. This has been a blast. So um, give everybody everywhere they can find you, your mentorship, your coaching, all that kind of stuff before we before we sign off. Yeah, so easiest place to find like my content um, is probably, uh, I would either go check out my podcast, the Hamilton Trained Podcast. Um, my most popular socials are Instagram and TikTok. Those are both at Real Jared Hamilton. Um, and, and as far as like wanting to look into like my coaching or my uh, my mentorship stuff, just shoot me a message. Um, you can either email me or hop on my website, hamiltontrain.com and just shoot me a message and we can talk. So nope, appreciate you having that. me, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a blast. I'll link all that in the show notes and uh, we'll have to stay connected because this, this has been really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry.